Hey everybody, it's Dr. Bill Jensen. Uh, Happy New Year. This is our first podcast back after the first of the year, 2024. I'm sure all of you have some massive goals uh, and things that you want to achieve this year. And so my guest today is going to help you accomplish those. So get ready for the first one of the year. Enjoy the episode and let's kick it off right together. So good to be back in the new year, man. I, I, I was just uh, talking to a, f- a friend of mine the other day and I was like, man, it just seems like we, we get the goals put together and we have it all planned out and then life hits you and it's chaos. And I just felt like I woke up today like being pulled in seven different directions. So um, at the end of the day, I think uh, that is life and how life is. It's we can plan you know, for sure. And, and that's what we should all be doing is planning our lives out. But we have to understand that life throws curveballs at us like every single day. So I think um, if we can kind of get some methodology put together for a base and then be better planned out, it'll help us achieve our goals this year. So my my first uh, guest of this year, um, he's a naturopathic doctor. He's based out of Arizona. He holds uh, a couple degrees, one in nutrition and one in psychology that he earned at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, in addition to those academic achievements, he's uh, a former national champion bodybuilder. Don't we all strive to be that as well? Uh, and through his commitment and efforts, uh, he successfully helped over 60,000 families from more than 100 countries through his program that's called Fit Father. And he has another one for the ladies called Fit Mother. Uh, so with that being said, Dr. Bill Doozy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Bill. Happy to be here. Happy New Year to you. I uh, appreciate that, man. Happy New Year to you. So tell tell our guests uh, and audience out there, you know, what what is the Fit Father Project? What inspired you to, um, to, to get that rolling and, and how has it really changed over the years? So as you mentioned, I run Fit Father Project and Fit Mother Project. And the company's the mission is to help busy parents over 40 basically create sustainable health routines so they can reach an ideal weight, have the right kind of muscle mass as they age, have healthy habits, and just really like live a long, healthy, and happy life and and be a good role model for their families. And I got passionate about this because I saw growing up my family go through the exact opposite of that. I had a busy dad who busted his butt to provide food for the family, and he basically worked himself to the bone. And he got very sick. Uh, one day he he fell over and he had a, a grand mal seizure. And it was like one of the scariest things to see my dad, the guy I looked up to most, he looked so helpless. And he was diagnosed with brain cancer later that day. And I saw his health basically deteriorate over the course of many years. Um, and he died when he was 42 years old. So I was nine when that happened. And it completely changed my life. I mean, it obviously broke my heart. And I had to go on this healing journey to to become whole inside. Um, but it also made me realize from a young age how important our health is as parents. And it's something that's so easy to put on the back burner because we're busy. Life's pulling us in a million different directions. And if we don't have the foundational habits in place with nutrition, sleep, exercise, and mindset, it's easy to fall off track. Um, and then what was unique about the aspect of like my my experience with that is is my mom gave me a pair of my dad's old dumbbells when I was 10 on my 10th birthday and I started to train. And I got stronger. And as I started to heal and exert myself physically, I found that I was healing mentally and emotionally as well. And it ignited this massive passion for fitness that has propelled me, you know, decades since and, and, and made me so passionate about helping people like my dad and certainly my mom watching how much she struggled to keep the family together. And so 
I started the Fit Father Project and Fit Mother Project about 10 years ago. As you mentioned, we've had over 60,000 families in over 100 countries go through that. And I've been able to blend um, my unique life experience um, with some of the psychology and neuroscience background, as well as like the high-level fitness information to create sustainable health programs for busy parents. And I suppose that's why this is a unique conversation to kick off the year because there's a lot of goals that we could create around health and fitness, but like, how do you actually help people like get traction and, and like stay on track long-term? And that's really what my team and I have become experts at. It's amazing. What synergy, obviously, you know, my, my story and how I got into do what I do and get involved in health as a result of a traumatic injury that I had to my neck at nine, you know, wow. and so at the, you know, and as a result of that traumatic neck injury, uh, you know, I played sports in all seasons and, um, the neck injury, I developed migraine headaches. And as a result of the migraine headaches, it didn't allow me to participate in any of those sports. It didn't allow me to do pretty, you know, I couldn't even go out on the playground and play with my friends, you know, so I was isolated and I couldn't do anything. And so as I, as I found, um, chiropractic, um, and it, within three treatments, my headaches went away and allowed me to go back in and participate in sports and be with my friends and have a life again. You know, that's what inspired me to say, Hey, I guess that's what I want to do when I grow up. So it's amazing the synergy um, between those two things. So, like you said, you've you've helped sixty thousand families, man. That's that's a lot of families over the last ten years. Um, share some of the some of the, tr the transformations you've seen. Um, you know, some of the ones that stick out in your mind. Yeah, I mean, everything you can possibly imagine. Like people who are so grossly out of shape, like morbidly obese, the guy, Steven Alexander, 54 years old, weighing 400 pounds and in 18 months is able to lose 200 pounds and start running marathons with his wife. I mean, that's really inspiring, you know, but also like a, another woman that comes to mind is Diane O'Brien. She runs a, a flower shop up in Northern California and she would just have gotten to this routine at 61 where, you know, sure her, her blood work was all out of whack and she had this habit of going over and stopping at a, a little wine shop on her way home afterwards and drinking a couple glasses of wine and that had become such an ingrained pattern for her, like witnessing her break that habit, lose all the weight, get off all prescription medications in her 60s and now make strength training something that she's super passionate about as a stress relief is amazing. Um, I mean, just countless, countless stories to to help people go through. I think like outside of the unique individual stories, I think what's most important to know is that each one of us is on our own version of a of a hero's journey. You know, each one of us is is using our bodies in a way to help us facilitate our goals and our dreams, but also oftentimes when we're unhealthy as an escape mechanism or, or some way to like do stress relief and, and, and we're not having the right kind of restorative habits. So I think it's such a powerful thing that getting healthy, especially over 40 is, is, is really a personal development journey. It makes you face um, your addictions, your habits, your patterns, and, and also to take a deeper cut at why health matters beyond just the aesthetics. Cause many of us like, yeah, you want to look good, but at a certain point it's about like longevity. It's about your family. It's about your cognitive health. And so connecting to your deep motivation for health is, is an essential thing to do. And especially around the new year. And that's why I recommend people really connect to what we call like a mission statement. Like the first part of our program before people get into nutrition or certainly exercise is we have them do some deep dive journaling and reflection to help them really make some powerful associations in their minds about how their health affects all of their areas of life that matter most to them. Like how does your health affect your finances? How does it affect your, affect your spirituality, your ability to be a parent, like all these things and, and start to get a more holistic picture and motivation about why we stay healthy. That goes beyond just the routine itself. Cause that's a huge part of like staying on track is to have that deep connection in that mm -hmm. mission. 
hundred percent. You have to definitely tie that in together because if you're just doing it based on, I just want to be healthy, but there is no why behind being healthy. Yeah. Then it's going to, you're going to burn out real shortly. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and fall back into those habits. And obviously, yes, by the time we're the age of 40, we've got some habits that we've <laughs> manifested over our entire lives, which can go all the way back to childhood for sure. For sure. And, and habits that we picked up from our parents, you know, obviously, you know, I was, I don't know about your parents particularly, but my parents, you know, you know, eating your milk and your, uh, your uh, rice krispies every morning and stuff like that. That was a balanced breakfast, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you can get away with that, uh, sometimes as a kid. Uh, but right. certainly when you get to be the age of 40, those are the types of habits that you got to leave behind you and figure out a different path for sure. So for at, sure. as you know, obviously as, as we do get older, you know, there's just so much we see on in magazines and TV ads and on the internet now these days and Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff about, oh, you know, this is the way, you know, that you're going to get healthy or take this new supplement or do this new routine or now there's this new workout pattern. Um, but, you know, that's like you said, that's not a one size fits all situation. Right. I mean, you have somebody that's 20 years old. They're certainly not going to be doing the same types of probably workouts or things uh, somebody that's 60 years old, for example. Yeah. Or, or, and even within those two categories, you have some people have fast twitch muscle fibers, some have slow twitch muscle fibers, some have different metabolic pathways or rates that they eat better with carbs. And some people respond, you know, with less carbs. You know, there's just so many different things to take into account. What are some of the things that you see, though, generally speaking, as far as like people over the age of 40 need to be doing consistently? Versus, you know, somebody that's, you know, 20, 25 years old. Sure. Uh, okay. So let's start. We'll, we'll work our way back into food, but maybe we'll start with movement. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a, there's a general concept here that people equate the need that we have every day for daily movement. The body needs to be able to move and in conflating that with formal exercise that happens in a gym with shoes on at a particular time. Like many people feel like they're too busy to work out or if you're really haven't been active for a long time, you know, it's not very motivating to go to a gym in front of a mirror, of a bunch of fit people and, and do things like that. So first off, I think people just need to start checking the daily movement box, especially as you get older. Like, and this means like increasing your walking, maybe tracking your steps, like morning walk to help with the sunshine circadian rhythm, walk after meals. But like, we just got to move more and we can't, we got to get out of the mindset of, oh, I don't have the time to exercise. So I don't do anything like increasing activity is huge. I mean, we look at the, the pockets of longevity around the world, the centenarians, like those people are not doing P90X. They're walking, they're gardening, they're eating whole natural process, unprocessed foods. They have good spiritual connections. So I think the daily movement is, is the mental box that needs to be checked every single day. And it, it honestly just means walking more micro workouts, work breaks, these kinds of things. They're not now, even, they're to, not even going to the gym, right? They're just low exactly. level physical activity all day long. Yes. And we have the exact opposite of that right now is we have a constrained idea of what exercise looks like. We have busy lives where we just don't do anything and we sit down far too much, which obviously aggravates the spine in a tremendous way. And so we just need to get moving more like it's lubrication for the joints. Like it helps our spine be healthier. Like you get better blood sugar regulation. If you take a walk after a meal, if in the morning, if you get out and take a a walk, it's great for stress relief. You get sunshine on your skin and your eyes. You get better circadian rhythm. You get serotonin production in your brain from the morning sunshine. 
we need to get back to moving more. Like movement is what's going to keep us really, really young and also help regulate our nervous system too. Because I think a big reason why people get off track with their health and fitness is they're stressed and they're looking for stress relief. A lot of people emotionally eat. Um, and, and quite frankly, just being able to move more is going to help people regulate and, and relax the nervous system. And, and the people who are going to live the longest are going to be in a parasympathetic dominant nervous system most of the time. And the people who live the shortest are going to be sympathetically stressed. So movement is a, a really key factor to help us stay parasympathetic, particularly if you can get outside and get some sunshine. Now, when it comes to the types of like formal workouts, like I believe there's like three aspects to train when you're over 40, you need strength, you need cardio and you need flexibility, mobility. And, and you could do those separately. Like you could certainly do like a stretching or a yoga class and then do some cardio separately and do strength, strength training. And, and that can work. And that's very good. It just matters like what fits into your schedule, how we program for our program members is we kind of combine those more or less into one type of workout that we call like metabolic resistance training, which is taking like the fundamental motions that you need to be strong at when you're 20 and when you're 80, like squatting down, picking things up, pushing and pulling away from your body pressing overhead, like all the main planes of motion that the, the spine and the, and the appendages can move in. Like we need to load those in a safe way. Uh, that's why we like to use dumbbells and kettlebells around our workouts, but we do these kinds of motions in a circuit fashion. So you're still getting good cardiovascular activity. You might go from some squats to some rows to some shoulder press, and there's a nice little like flow to it. And when you do this, you're getting some strength training for the resistance and the muscle building, which is just so healthy and, and important for longevity. You activate a lot of these longevity genes and pathways when you do resistance training. You get the cardiovascular benefit for your heart and you improve your mobility. So what I like to tell people over 40 is like, you don't need to be strength training every single day. You need like even twice a week three times would be even better, but like you sprinkle this high intensity exercise in paired with like good nutrition. And that's plenty stimulus you need. Cause one of the benefits of getting older uh, is your recovery capacity goes down. So you don't need to train as frequently. You need to stimulate the body and allow it to recover. So we sprinkle those throughout the week. That's, that's how we approach um, exercise, at least for people who are looking to get going on things. Mm -hmm. What about nutrition? What, what, what differences do you see in that, in that field and that area, obviously, as that's so, extremely important is, I mean, probably the most important, like one of the, the tenets of, of my philosophy is you, you cannot out exercise poor nutrition or a bad diet. And like, I think people just need to really understand that, that food is either going to be health promoting or it's going to be poison. And unfortunately, most of our food today is on the, in the latter, you know, it's creating inflammation from high sugar and bad fats. It's dysregulating our blood sugars, hyper palatable foods, or eating too much, let alone preservatives and chemicals and other issues in those types of foods. It's, it's bad. Um, and I think like you mentioned is, is the landscape of nutrition's gotten so complicated. It's hard for people to understand what exactly to do. I'm a proponent in how we kind of do in our, our nutrition plans of, of just kind of keeping things as simple as possible with whole foods based nutrition. Like, like the stuff that you'd find on the perimeter of the grocery store, fruits, vegetables, meats, eggs, like non-processed foods, like getting people to eat non-processed foods is the primary thing. We're also big believers that you should lower your carbohydrates as you age, but that does not mean you need to go into a ketogenic, completely carb eliminated diet, but like lower the carbohydrates. And, and so what this means is like, you don't start your day off with a bunch of carbohydrates. That's going to dysregulate your blood sugar like crazy. 
Um, so an example of that would be, you know, certainly having the breakfast cereals or the juices or the bagels or bunches of toast, it'd be a better idea to start your day off with more proteins and healthy fats and, and some fiber in the morning. So things that might look like egg based breakfast, egg stuff, eggs and avocados, certain kinds of fruits, making some power smoothie, if you will, that has a lot of good, like superfoods, a protein powder that's clean, hemp seeds, chia seeds, almond milk, maybe some berries, like I, I think, and I, it's going to help me segue into a couple other things. It's not just about the foods of what to eat, although we can certainly get into those. It's about creating routines and processes because when it comes to nutrition, it's about like waking up every day and having a system that you can run that keeps you consistent. Cause great. You eat really healthy for one day, but if you fall off track or you can't sustain it, like it's pointless, it's an iterative game. And so if that's the case, and, and we, I think we know that's true from our experience, it's about consistency in the system then we want to balance the forces of really standardized, consistent meals with also having enough variety. So it's, it's like it, you can stay on track. Mm -hmm. And so we're big fans of standardizing the first meal of the day and, and making it, you have a go-to breakfast. That's to say it needs to be the exact, exact breakfast, but you have one or three, one to three options that are really like turnkey and good. Cause if you do that, you have a good standardized breakfast that doesn't take a lot of time, works with your schedule. If you have kids running around or whatever, and just doesn't take a lot of cognitive effort, that could be like one third of your meals that are like knocked out healthy and default. And that also serves as an anchor in case you ever fell off track to come back to. So we help our members standardize healthy breakfasts, And we also help them like kind of standardize lunch too. And so for lunch, we're fans of like proteins and greens. That could be a salad. It could be some kind of bowl. Uh, we even have members eat sandwiches. Like they can get some sprouted organic bread of some sort and do like an Ezekiel bread sandwich. It's not like those are like completely off limits. But the thing is like each one of us must kind of discover the foods that uniquely work well for us as we go throughout our health and fitness journey. So like starting with a template and then getting the learning coming in, because some people will do better with wheat in the diet or dairy in the diet and other people do not. So you start to notice and pay attention to your bloating, your mucus production, the kinds of things that are happening in your body as you're eating foods to really dial in your unique routine. And that's why it's, it's naturally a learning experience. You start off with a plan and then you listen to the feedback from your body and you start to refine it. And that's kind of what we help people do in the program. Mm -hmm. Concerning that, um, obviously, you know, the, you probably have all different types of people coming into your program. You have some people yeah. that are very knowledgeable about some of these different topics and just are looking for something that gets them set into a little bit more of a sustainable strategy. Um, or they've, you know, they're just looking for your professional advice because obviously you're the expert and they're saying, Hey, what do you think is in my best interest? I've tried this and that. Do, um, are you uh, a proponent uh, or as part of your plan? Do you uh, do any strategies of like intermittent fasting with people or fasting in general? Or are you just trying to like get the, the basics down for some people? Well, it's a great question. And, and the answer is yes. Like exactly how we do it is, is the first thing we do is we help people establish their meal timing schedule setup. Because mm -hmm. just like the body has the bones that provide structure for muscles to pull and move, I believe that the meal timing itself is the structure of the day that enables us to be proactive instead of reactive. And so we, we offer a couple different structure setups that work well for people. One is intermittent fasting which could be done in one way, either, you know, having like you, you have an early breakfast and you just have a very early dinner as well and compress into those, you know, that, that roughly six to eight hour eating window, or you can just shift back that first meal till like 10, 11, and then eat up until like dinner at five, six. I think daily intermittent fasting is very beneficial for people who find it to be convenient. Um, it's a good way to control calories, to control hunger. Um, and I, you do get some metabolic benefits for sure. What we do do is on month two of the program, after people have kind of established the first 30 day plan is we introduce dinner to dinner fasting or 24 hour fasting once per week. 
And that, that starts to get a little bit deeper because you, you get the body into more of that fasted catabolic, beneficially catabolic state. And, and it's, it's just helpful for people to, to be able to do that once a week. Um, and then as people progress into our programs are gone, we, we introduce ideas that not everyone does, but consider, considering doing like a 72 hour, 72 hour fast or, mm-hmm. you know, a more prolonged uh, fast because you get a lot of benefits from doing that. But yeah, intermittent fasting is great. I don't think everyone needs to necessarily do it daily. Um, but I do think people will benefit from eating a slightly earlier dinner, um, from a circadian rhythm perspective of not eating super heavy meals too late at night. Um, and if daily IF works for somebody, it's wonderful, but the, the, the once a week fasting is, is a big, a big part of our plan. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, um, are you a fan of, um, any devices that help track, you know, some of these, you know, like aura rings or whoops or Fitbits or anything else like that, as far as helping people track some of their different like body metrics? For sure. I think they're wonderful. And I, I think what my, my general philosophy is like, ultimately we need to help every person that comes in contact with us as health professionals, find the, the right plan that's going to work for them. And that means it meets their personality and their predispositions. So for people who are much more data inclined and like to have the numbers and track things, like I think an aura ring is a, is a wonderful thing to do. It gives you an idea of heart rate variability might be one of the more interesting things to look at in terms of like predicting your nervous system, you maybe your readiness score for the day. And that may inform whether or not you do a high intensity workout today, or you take it a little bit lighter and you focus more on sleep and recovery. I think these things are mostly helpful from the standpoint of giving you feedback on the state of your nervous system, mm-hmm. which is, which is great. I think that's, that's certainly good data. Um, I also have seen, you know, tens of thousands of people who don't really care to track to that amount, who, you know, can, ha- can create and maintain wonderful health without it. I think the, the data discussion comes down to if it fits someone's personality and they like these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe like slightly unpopular and I don't think the aura ring is much of a problem, but I, I do believe that our health is being negatively impacted by non-native EMFs, um, from these devices. Like, I think it's incontrovertible. I don't think it's a fun thing to talk about, but mm-hmm. I think it's just, there's so much stuff out there. So, um, Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of of people doing a lot of like Wi-Fi broadcasting wearables on their bodies on a constant basis. I think we're going to see more that that's not great for health, but an aura ring's not as problematic as maybe having an Apple Watch on you all the time. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100% there, and that's one of the things that I talk about on the regular actually with my patients because, yeah, I, I think uh, some of the data coming back already it shows it's not not really good for us for sure. And we know the mechanisms. Mm-hmm. It's It's like completely known. Disrupts yeah. mitochondria, opens vultures, gated calcium channels. Like it's just like it's, we're not meant to have non-native EMFs on us at all times, mm-hmm. and so that's that's a factor. Yeah, I can honestly say. I mean, I've been wearing an aura ring for quite a while, and um, it, it was fascinating. The the one major take back that I had was in regards to my eating cycle because. I'd be getting out of work at like maybe 7, 7.30 at night. And so, you know, obviously up until that point, I'm taking care of patients. I don't really have time, you know, to sit down in a parasympathetic state and try to like eat food and be conscious eating and stuff. So I, you know, would be eating it closer to 8 o'clock at night, but then I'd be going to bed at like 10, 10.30 and the aura ring would show, you know, that Bad I'm asleep, that my heart rate didn't lay, lower until, yeah. you know, 3.30, 4 in the morning. You know, and so my 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 scores were down, my readiness was down, and then mm-hmm. and then I started experimenting and trying to eat closer to like you know five thirty six is my last meal, and and bam, just like that, all of a sudden my heart rate's lowering faster, my yes. HRV scores are better, my deep sleep patterns improved, and it was like the one lifestyle change that I had to make in order to like make everything just change as far as like how I felt and how I slept and and my energy. That's levels. powerful. 
I don't think there's a single person who wouldn't benefit from eating an earlier dinner yeah. for that exact reason because it negatively impacts your sleep. And I think as we learn more about like clock genes and circadian biology and we get deeper into this, we're also going to see that like we probably should be eating mostly during the times when <laughs> the light is still light is still up. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think there's a there's a world of circadian biology and in understanding the importance of light and certainly different spectrums of light and how we can use those therapeutically. That's huge. Um, so yeah, I think the late at night eating, I'm glad that that's, you figure that out for you. Yeah. In fact, when I do my fasting, my scores are the best on my heart, on my, on my heart ring. So like, you know, it'll be like, man, I get crowns like every single time I do a 72 hour fast, maybe I should just not eat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that as far as, um, Obviously stress is, it's such a, such a big, big deal. And you, you really touched on the fact that, you know, exercise, I mean, for sure, we all know exercise is one of the most effective ways to help cope and manage mm -hmm. stress in our lives. Um, but as far as stress management and mental health, um, you know, could touch on that as far as that and how that's going to help you achieve longevity. For sure. And I mean, I'll, I'll just say it's like the, the creatures and humans included in this that live the longest have a predominantly parasympathetic tone. And this is due to genetics, but I think it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a good analogy. It's like a mouse lives for like 18 months and it is constantly stressed out, highly sympathetic. It's going to be eaten all the time. It's freaking out very fast metabolism, moving very fast. A tortoise lives for like a hundred years. It's got a shell. It's chilling, moving slow, <laughs> slower metabolism. Like, and it's, it's in a more like parasympathetic rested state, stress hormones are not high. And the human is the same way. Like when we have the nervous system and the, and the corresponding hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, all the different metabolic pathways that are activated downstream of that, like, it's kind of like our lifeline. And what's fascinating about stress is it's, it's physiologic in terms of like the nervous system and, and the, the chemicals and the hormones, but it's also like psychological and in terms of like how we relate to the experiences in our lives. You can throw two people in the exact same situation and they'll respond very differently in their nervous system and in their neurochemistry as a byproduct of that. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like the idea of becoming less stressed is, is inherently us encountering our own mental perceptions and, and how we can relate to things. So any practice that ends up becoming getting us more mindful so this could be a meditation practice, a prayer practice, a uh, breath work of some sort, anything that gets us more present and enables us to observe our minds and be less reactive and become more present is inherently going to improve the quality of our life because it, it, we bring that presence into every moment that we do have. So whether or not something happens, we can respond in a way that's a lot more regulated, balanced. So I think that's a huge aspect. I know in my life, especially as I've gone through many, many challenges. I, I finally started to see the value of doing a regular meditation and prayer practice, which I do morning and evening now. And I couldn't imagine living life without creating that proper tone and setting of my nervous system and my mind. And I become so much happier by doing that in the bookends of my day. And it's always a way to kind of like reset and regulate at the bookends. So I think that's, that's important. Um, other ways to regulate the nervous system is using temperature like cold plunges and sauna are both wonderful for that because they put the physiology into a more extreme state and the nervous system adapts and responds. So I know cold plunges are pretty in vogue now and, and for good reason, you know, you get in there and, and you're, you have a very profound response physiologically and mentally. And, and over time it makes you more resilient as you're able to stay in that. So that's a, that's a good tool for regulating that. 
And I think there's just like a lot of nutritional stuff too. Like if, if you're getting the right kinds of minerals, you're getting magnesium, your blood sugar levels are regulated. Like your body's going to have a, a right amount of B vitamins and all the cofactors for all that stuff. Your, your body's going to be a lot more resilient to these kinds of uh, stress responses. And then the final thing I'll say is learning how to breathe uh, through your nose as well as diaphragmatically breathe mm -hmm. properly. I think um, we just haven't really been taught that. And a lot of us, unfortunately, because we don't eat the right kinds of foods and we have an immune system that's overactive, we have stuffy noses or we don't breathe right or we don't exercise enough or we just got in the habit of breathing through our mouth. Like that that kind of breathing pattern where we're not doing the deep nose breathing is is creating a low grade of stress all the time. So it's like everything I said is like so like foundational and it's ever present it's it's our sense of our mindset and our presence it's literally how we're breathing it's what we're doing in the morning and evening set the time it's our, our like our, our our nutritional practices whether we exercise or cold plunge it's almost like we're constantly regulating our nervous systems or if we fail to do any of these things we're basically allowing it to be on autopilot and the consequence of that is pretty much stress and chronic disease mm -hmm. so I hear you saying all these things and I'm sure the listeners are going, wow, man, this guy like knows, uh, knows a lot of stuff and he's given us a lot of examples between, you know, we're t we've talked about the hit on nutrition and all the different things you can do nutritionally for people. We talked about different exercise habits and how, you know, we just got to get into a ream, but the, the main mainstay of that is just, we just got to get moving again and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the gym or lifting like excessive weights, but just getting out and walking and moving and being more active like that. Um, and now we were touching on um, uh, parasympathetic nervous system and all the different strategies you can get to mitigate the harmful effects of stress and uh, have longevity. So probably as it always is the case, again, it comes back to the person who has a family and who has a job and has like a lot of responsibilities on their plate. And they're thinking like, how is it possible that I could possibly mm -hmm. like either a fit all this stuff and time into my schedule or, you know, is this super expensive to do all this stuff? Or, you know, w walk us through what you would tell that person that's like, who's thinking there right now being like, man, that's all really good and well, but I just like simply don't have the time to do all that stuff. Yeah, wonderful question for sure. And, and I think here's what I would say. Number one, what I, what I alluded to is the part of our program process of, of doing the motivation, mission statement, mindset, connection to your, to your why is the first foundation just so that you actually create these new neuro associations to understand how your health literally affects all these areas that you know matter to you your family your finances your self-confidence your spirituality all of it is tied to how well you how good you feel and the, the body that you're you're tending to um two it's about creating a better day like our lives are a series of these days and if we can start to create a better day unit and start to stack some habits and have some basic routines we can get a good amount of this stuff in a lot of the stuff i mentioned breath work cold plunge sauna like these are optimization things that are like way further down the road you may never incorporate any of those in your routine that doesn't matter too much what does matter though is that you wake up every day and you have a a, a simple way to start your day where you drink 20 to 32 ounces of water Take a few deep breaths through your nose, release any of it attention, maybe think a little bit about something you're grateful for, and then have a really healthy meal number one, whenever that happens, if it's fasting or there. Like that's something that you can anchor into every single day. Standardize your breakfast, drink some water in the morning, maybe do a couple deep breaths of some gratitude. Heck, maybe you do just like five minutes of a little bit of mindfulness in the morning. Like that doesn't take a lot of time. I promise you if you're feeling overwhelmed and you also spend a good amount of time on your phone scrolling through stuff, getting like little dopamine hits and like you're you're actually 
there's a lot of time leaking through your schedule that could be dedicated. Five minutes could be reallocated here for you to sit in silence and breathe through your nose and get your nervous system set up in the morning. Like we do have the time for that. We just are filling it in different, more distracted ways where we're like busier, but not productive. So I'd say if you can take control of maybe even just your morning and evening routine, doesn't have to be extensive, maybe five, 10 minutes, maybe it's just the water, closing your eyes for five minutes and, and doing a little breathing. That's phenomenal. Like, and, and if that does work for you and you feel good, repeat that at lunch, repeat that at dinner. And you have these little like baked in nervous system resets into whatever your flow is, is doing. I would say in terms of exercise, we don't always have the time to continuously exercise. It's not like a full-time job for most of us, but can you schedule in two to three workouts throughout your week, like meetings? Maybe they're only possible on the weekend. Like maybe Monday through Friday is absolutely so booked for you that all you can do is focus on trying to get more steps in throughout the day. So you maybe just walk around for work breaks and maybe you do a little walk once in a while throughout the day. Um, and maybe on the weekend you do a strength training workout, you know, even once a week on the weekend, like you have the ability to do that and it will benefit you phenomenally if you just schedule those in. Yeah. And I think like, uh, I think again, the evening time, at least as it relates to the stress, you know, obviously you, you discovered personally that eating too late was a huge crux. And if someone else experiences that, that'd be a good fix, but even spending five minutes at the end of the day, and the research is so clear on this from like the positive psychology research, just reflecting on a few things you're grateful for and a few things that were successful on the day, closing a few mental loops, like that's just going to get your nervous system into that state where you can actually sleep and heal. The body's amazing. Like it does a lot of these healing things on its own. <laughs> if you just allow it the chance to get into the healing and restoration by doing a little bit of a five minute routine, just to relax, like you can get the benefits of great sleep at night. So I think that the message is there's an order of importance and hierarchy. I would say it's the morning and evening routines. It's getting your nutrition on point and scheduling a couple basic workouts mm -hmm. and past that, when you start to feel better and you maybe even get deeper into this stuff, then you can go into this whole optimization of certain fancy supplements, certain other biohacks. But like, even if you don't do any of those things, but you just eat well, <laughs> do all what the centenarians do. They're not doing red, blue, blue laser contrast, hydrotherapy, <laughs> biohacking things. They're literally like gardening, walking around, having good family connections, eating whole processed, non, non-processed foods and like getting sunshine. Mm -hmm. They're doing well. Like we can do our version of that. Yeah. It's like all like, you know, the, the super biohackers and all that stuff in the world. I mean, that's just like, like upper 1%, you know, like we, you can be super healthy individual and live a really long, healthy life yes. by just covering like a few basics, basically. Like yes. I said, like move, get some good sleep and eat. Yes. Good. <laughs> yes. It, that's it. That's so it. daily walking, get, figure out the foods that work for you and your family that you actually enjoy, get some go-to healthy meals, like mm -hmm. start to start to do that. And like, you know, and you're gonna have to find some people like it's gonna be a mix of some takeout. Sometimes you have the healthy restaurants that you you do nearby. Maybe you do a little bit of meal prep. Like anything you do to create a nutrition system, where you don't have to rely on willpower. It can be like the path is paved because you've made it like easy and turnkey. Again, that's why I'm a huge fan of the standardizing a few healthy meals of the day. Like this stuff is 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 massive. And then also maybe study some nutrition to the point, at least study why the foods that you like that you know that are not healthy for you, why they actually are terrible for you. Mm. Like why why those things like, oh, I just like some ice cream at night or I just get these chips once in a while. Like, you know, they're not good intuitively, but like start to read up on like what those things actually are doing to you on a deeper level than just relating to them from a taste, palatability and stress relief standpoint, because 
if we're addicted to something and we're connected, we have some kind of association to it where it's giving us this kind of value, comfort, and freedom. And we need to flip that script in your in your actual brain and your neural circuitry for you to break free from that stuff. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip. One, one thing definitely for me, I just can't stand cooking. So what I'll do is uh, there's a, a company that's local to me nearby. I encourage people to try to find if that's the situation for you too. Um, I don't mind meal prepping as long as I don't have to sit there and like, you know, grill like 14 chickens on my grill and, and take up an entire Sunday. I'd rather, so they deliver it to me and I just weigh it out and then I piecemeal it together. And then I got, nice. you know, a nice balanced meal because for sure, if, if I don't have that prepared, then you know DoorDash is getting the phone call for sure for and some not so good meals coming on my desk at lunchtime because that's just the way it is yep. for sure. And we fall into those habits. So for people, um, you kind of alluded to some of the processes with your with your um, with your um, fit father and the, the, the fit mother. Um, walk us through the process, like how to, if somebody wants to find out about you and like get rolled a program, like walk them through the process and how that happens. Sure. Well, thank you again for for the conversation. I really did enjoy it. Um, fit father project and fit mother project are the websites. So if you're interested, you can go to any of those websites and you'll see our program on the website. You can sign up. And the way we started off is with the initial 30 day program. So you get in and in the 30 days, we go through the mindset. So we write your mission statement. We go you through health to help you through set up your exact nutrition plan. We walk you through an entire day, figure out your go-to breakfast, lunch, snacks, recipes, meal timing, all that for you. And then step three, we get you on the exercise and daily movement plan, which again, there's many levels that you can do like beginners starting slow, building up more advanced trainees. You know, we have all that modifications for every possible injury scenario, equipment limitation that you do have. So we build progressively over the 30 days. And then we have a full continuation program for the rest of the year that gives new workouts, introduces things like the 24 hour fasting in month number two, we introduce concepts like carb cycling and the 72 hour fast later on in the program. So it's like a progressive learning journey. What's cool about our programs is, is not just that you get to experience your own personalized nutrition exercise and like healthy living system is you're also surrounded by tens of thousands of other people who are doing it too. So you get to like watch them in the chat forum. So it's delivered inside our app and our community. So we give you everything. It's all like in the app, you get that as a member. So it's all in the palm of your hand and, and we help you succeed. So me and my team, there's about 20 of us who are in there, like helping all the members and supporting them in every step of the way. So that's the process. And we can be found at fit father project and fit mother project.com. Super, super cool. So when they, people get involved and, and get signed up, they basically, will they have like a mentor or coach, like one of your team members will yes. assist them along the way, answer questions for yes. them, discuss challenges, et cetera, motivate yep. <laughs> as always is exactly. the case, right? Like For I always sure. think like we're the guides, you know, they're the heroes and it's their journey yes. to, to take. And so, um, I think all too often, like I said, like, you know, we, like some physicians always make themselves out to be the heroes, but that's not what it's all about. It's about the person. And so 100%. I couldn't, uh, couldn't agree with that more. Well, again, I really, really appreciate your time on our podcast. I think this was a super awesome way to kick off 2024. So for all of you out to you, go check out Dr. Buduzzi's website. Um, get get into the programs if you don't have a solid program. And uh, I'll be here to support all of you and answer questions as, uh, as that comes along as well. So appreciate you, my friend. Thanks, Dr. Bill. Appreciate you too. All right. Cheers. Cheers.